0: our pleasure to have Reverend David J. Blaney speak to us this morning. David and I met each other, I'm assuming, in college choir some 45 years ago or so. We hate to count that, those big numbers. Uh, I, I learned more about David's ministry here this week when I sat in Don Fish's office and we had a conversation about it. And Don recounted how important David was during the building of this building, how he was here almost every day, keeping the workers on track and managing the project, and uh, just Don couldn't say enough about how instrumental uh, David was to the process. Uh, But my suspicion is more important than any of those responsibilities, were the many years of youth ministry and young adult ministry that David had here. Because the, the ripples from those ministries continue to the present day and will continue on into eternity. And so we are so grateful uh, to have David with us this morning. I'm going to invite him to come and, and speak to us today. David? Amen. Thank you, brother. Good to see you.
1: Wow, look at that. We even color coordinated today, Pastor Dan. Amazing. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. And I'll proclaim his goodness and I would just encourage you to stand right now and if if you know God's faithfulness, would you tell two or three people, look them in the eyes, stand up, look two or three people in the eyes and tell them from your heart if it's true, God is faithful. Now, now, if you know him, you might be willing to cooperate with this next assignment. Can you go to two or three people and say, I have been faithless? If there's been times you've been faithless, could you tell three or four people? Thank you. Thank you. The first one was a little easier, wasn't it? Proverbs 28 says he who conceals his sin does not prosper but whoever confesses and renounce or repents from them finds mercy. May you have fresh mercy today for identifying that our faithfulness does not hold the candle to his. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our, faithful does not, our faithfulness does not hold the candle to his. I was even uh, reflecting with some holiness preachers in, in the last couple of weeks uh, a new a new reflection on the song called unto holiness. And uh, if you just bear with me on this, I go through these little things having been rooted you know, in the church and in the kingdom from such an early age. I, at this age, kind of reflect on some things. And um, I was looking at the words of the song and it says, called unto holiness, church of, right? And um, as I was going through the words, I said at this age, I think that I might just have a a little shift on that. Holiness from the Lord is our watchword and song. Do you understand the difference? Holiness unto the Lord, we used to down in, in, uh, it may be here at this building, down in uh, 236 building, there was a sign as you entered the sanctuary and I believe it said, Holiness unto the Lord or holy, holy, holy. And um, if you just think about this simple concept Holiness unto the Lord. So tell me how much holiness you had before Christ delivered you from your sinful state. Pastor proclaims none. And so what is this thing about holiness unto the Lord? So you're going to come to God and you're going to say, God, can you let me into your heaven? Because I'm giving you this offering of holiness. How does that work for you? So I I was like, I was talking to a few holiness preachers and I was like, you know, should we consider change of the word like holiness from the Lord is our watchword and song. Holiness from the Lord as we're marching along, sing it, shout it loud and long. Holiness from the Lord now and forever. Amen. Even David said, I am but dust. Well, what can you do with dust? You can blow onto it. But in our human state, my wife was reminding me this morning and she broke to tears just thinking about it. She, she heard a, a, a rendition of The line which in the Wardrobe whereby Aslan tells Lucy to go and gather uh, the others. And uh, it turns out that they're very hesitant to come and meet Aslan. And um, something to the effect of um, Aslan looks at the older sister and said, you were full of fear, weren't you? And he just looks down right through all of the church clothes, all the rest, and says, You have been full of fear, haven't you? And then <laughs> I got your tears now, honey. You know, then then he breathed on her. And he said, Let me breathe life into you. Life that is not rooted in fear and self-consciousness and self-centeredness. I will tell you that growing up in a church where people think that you know, you're kinda cool and then you go to a public school and then you're like, you know, you get pretty humbled there because I'm trying to walk a Christian life in a public school, but you come to church and people think your family's kinda cool and stuff. I've had somebody say it's harder for somebody to know Christ who's grown up in the church than one who's been delivered off the streets. It's harder for someone to know Christ who's grown up in the church than for somebody who's come off the streets because they know the darkness. They've experienced the darkness and even just a, a trickle or a little glimmer of God's radiance is enough to save them. <laughs> all else grows strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. But growing up in the church, that's not quite as easy. And so uh, it's an act of grace. If you, grow up, you grew up in the family of God, it's a work of God's grace to let you really look past all of our human faithfulness and to see his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Um, And so thank you, honey, for that fresh reminder Because, um, and I think there's a song, I don't even know it But I I caught one phrase out of it And it was something like, you're my oxygen And if you think about oxygen, and I'm not much of a scientist But if you think about oxygen, uh, how far could you get without oxygen? And you're probably thinking the breathing one But one thing I do remember from science is there's something called H2O How far could you get without oxygen? So why is our world and even much of our country thinking that they can proceed without the roots of why we are founded? Well, some would suggest it's a loss of identity. Let's just look at Hebrews chapter 10. We're gonna look at a few, few passages today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Many of you are probably familiar with 24. I'll let you read that one on your own. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because he who promised is let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he who promised is can I hear a hallelujah Hallelujah. can I hear an amen Amen. so you know I was a little kid growing up in this church and I remember who it was who would give out the amens I remember who it was who would give out the hallelujahs I remember who it was when there were altar calls And this person was walking about as straight as I saw. And this person would be there at the altar, altar call after altar call after altar call. That person is now the pastor of one of the healthiest growing churches on the district. They rode the altar and I got to see that in this congregation as a 16 year old. I got to see uh, husbands and wives, although marriages weren't easy, decide that God what God put together, let no man separate. And they stuck out of their their times of marriage and raising kids and financial problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and and held on to a faithful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Dan mentioned that, you know, the youth ministry here. Let me me just tell you uh, a bit about God's faithfulness. So I have some other passages. I'm running into my story quicker than I thought. So, If you'd hear me out on this. So I was just fresh out of Eastern Nazarene College. I'd had Bible classes, I'd had chapels, I'd grown up here, I'd had Sunday school classes. And there was a point where I just got out of college and I would go home and I would turn on the TV in the afternoon and I just kind of became a vegetable. I was just like, um, I just kind of zoned out. And a point came that summer after college, when I said, Lord, something, this isn't right. This, this just, something is not right here. Why is it that it's so easy to turn on a television station, back in the day, right now it's the internet. Why, why is it so easy to do that? Why is it so easy to pick up a magazine, be it about sports or whatever? Why is it so easy to read uh, an enticing book? But this one's difficult. Why is it this one is down on the list of how I would want to spend my time? (laughs) If people thought I was a pretty good kid, I'm in my 20s, hadn't done this, this, or that. But I'm saying, God, why is it?" it? And I said, I know who can change that. That's you, God, it's not me. God, could you just please make this come alive more than anything else that I've ever been attracted to? And miraculously, that day, I started in Genesis 1 and wrapped up at the end of Genesis. Probably started Exodus. The next day, I finished Exodus. It was like it came alive. And all, all these Bible stories that our sister Jen and your Sunday school teachers and others have shared with you and me over the years, I started to see that, that they were knit together with a purpose, and the God of creation had all these stories that were made up of individuals that he was faithful to, hallelujah. There was a young man uh, who stayed with me as part of the youth ministry here. He, he needed a, a separate home for a while, he stayed with me. And, uh, he, and you know we we're trying to do some type of discipleship and, and he was reading the Bible, he was really hungry for the word and one day he told me he'd gotten into Leviticus. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> And he said, I'm still at it. I said, well, good for you. Um, And then he said to me, he said, there's a lot of names in there, numbers, Leviticus. He says, there's a lot of names in there. And he said, if they were important to God, I think that means I must also be important to God. A broken young man from a, a, a messed up family situation. All those long lists of names, it must mean that I'm important to God too. I would just tell you the transformative work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is is not to be set apart. Can you imagine the Ten Commandments? I mean, the one you'd want to marry your son or your daughter, um, the child that you'd want to have, wouldn't you want them following all of the Ten Commandments? Think about it. Do you want to raise a child who breaks all of them, or do you want to marry someone who breaks all of them? (laughs) You want your son or daughter who you love to marry someone who breaks all of them, or, or the opposite? Well, it's not following the Ten Commandments that brings salvation whatsoever, but in this world, they would sure save us from a lot of nonsense, wouldn't they? So let me ask you how good have you done it at fulfilling the Ten Commandments? You about as good as the Apostle Paul? You know Paul said, Pharisee of Pharisees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He says, I want to know Christ. I wanna know Christ, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so to somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on toward the goal which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so it is a a God that we come to gather today to, to congregate together, that he is the deliverer. And I'll tell you, our society needs deliverance. There's days my home needs deliverance. Some of you in your work sites, when my brother's sharing with me, his work site needs deliverance. Keep shining, brother. Keep shining, brother. There is hope. His name is Jesus, and there is hope. And God does not just give you this nebulous Jesus like a, some historical figure. Jesus said, If I go, I will send one, a comforter, the spirit of truth, to lead you into all truth. Our, our, our world is lost. Look, identity issues. Can you imagine? Just simple loss of identity. Even atheists will say, you know, hundreds of years from now you dig up the dead body and you know which they are, just scientifically. But we're confused. How can that be? That can be because we've lost our identity of not only who we are in Christ, and that's a big deal these days, is to talk about who we are in Christ. But let's step back a moment and let's look at who he is. It was a a, a troubled a troubled teenage girl in this church down in the other building, and one day, we used to have Sunday evening church, and you know we'd be there in the morning and the evening and Wednesdays and Fridays, and, and we, this was our community, this was our life, this was our family. And one day, I think it was an evening service, and uh, it came out something to say, do you know that God is mighty? And this teenage girl, who, who, who her life was broken, She would come to youth group, but her life was broken. And if I remember correctly, she turned to me and she said, God is not just mighty, he is almighty. So when you read those history books, you can read about a mighty God, but unless you know him, I don't think you'll know that he's almighty. Unless you give to him, unless I give to him those challenges, day in and day out, those relational challenges, those misunderstanding challenges, those those financial challenges, Endless, 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 before you'll know that he's almighty because when our purpose is aligned with his purpose, in other words, our purpose grows strangely dim and we recognize that we are breathing for his purpose, it makes all the difference in the world. And you get to find out that he is still capable of fulfilling his purpose through you. I mean, it's a shocking thing to think that God could fulfill any of his purpose through me. Young, a rather shy kid, um, yeah, I, I like doing pranks and stuff on my sisters and my grandma, et etc. Et but other than that, you know, in some ways kind of a shy kid. But God would choose to fulfill his purposes. I, I will tell you, I can remember sitting back in the old building, sitting there looking at whoever was preaching that day, and I just want to say thank you to Pastor Winslow, who helped my parents through, uh, through their early days of marriage. You know, I was too young to really know, but I know that he was, he was somebody who could help them see what it is to, to found your marriage on Christ. Pastor Schaff, who would take me to district camps and would be active there, and how God at 14 years old uh, woke me up to, to really, to truly surrender to him by his grace. Pastor, uh, Pastor Schaaf and Pastor Taylor, Pastor Taylor, those were some amazing days with huge bus ministries of this church—three buses and a van. Then after that, there was a Pastor Taylor, um, Pastor Taylor, and then a Pastor McLean. Excuse me. And the McLean building is named after him and Marty. His son is here. You want to hear some fun stories? If you came for fun stories, just ask Marty. Uh, I don't think I'll take time from this pulpit to tell you some of the wild things, like sitting in snow in wet bathing suits on a teen outing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But. Um, so so here I was, and I was sitting there in the back of the congregation. I'm thinking, no, I will never be the one up here. And then I remember altar calls and saying, God, you know, you're kind of big enough. I think, can't you meet me at my bedside? I would really rather not go in front of these people. Because if I go in front of these people, they just might hold me to account. And I just kind of go in to cooperate with you. I don't know if I want to be accountable to anybody other than you. You see, that's a little bit, I think, of what Pastor Gary was talking about last night, last week, Pastor Gary Light, when he was talking about large C, small C church. Does anybody remember that? Small C, large C. Small C, I mean, large C is you've personally come to Christ, you've recognized your need of forgiveness of sin, especially if you're in the church. You came to recognize your need of deliverance from sin. All we like sheep have gone astray each to our own way. None of us is righteous. No, not one. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Okay, and so we've we've come to we've come to know Christ, and um, and so there I was. And so I would go home and i say, yeah, Lord, thank you for helping me not forget, you know, I love you and help me to follow you and all this kind of good stuff. And when I was 14, because of the faithfulness of this congregation, I was at a camp and the Lord just said to me, just said, David, just the impression, David, you know, what's the big deal? <laughs> what's the big deal? You know, I've been kind of doing it on your terms for a while, but there's the altar up there. How about you do it on my terms for once? You ever hear God say that to you? You negotiate with them. I don't give handouts to the poor typically, like money and stuff, but if I have some food, I may stop, but how many times maybe you're one that's supposed to give handouts, I don't know what your call is, but you, you drive by that person on your way to work and you know they're standing there, standing there, standing there, and you say, well, they're just, but a morning comes and the Lord says, I don't really wanna hear your excuses, how you would just be enabling them, today is your day. Are, are you capable of hearing his voice if he were to say that? Uh, Am I capable to hear God's voice if he was to say, um, why not go to Africa? I mean, seriously, I mean, God forbid that I wouldn't. I serve in Africa, and it's no credit of mine. It was also an overflow of you, this congregation. Um, I went for a one-time visit, got my visa, multiple visits, one-time visit, one-time visit. Hey, they need some help with discipleship. There's some Christians, you know, interested in knowing God more, and okay, that's great. You know, I, 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 by then I'd probably done my Bible school or most of it, and that'll be great. And they also uh, uh, need to organize into a more formal NGO, these few folks that, um, that I, we'd become aware of. And it was like, okay, I have a business degree. I can help them. I was ministries coordinator here for a little while after being youth pastor. Yeah, I, we can administrate that. So here I'm going to go and I'm gonna use these great little gifts you know that God has and we're gonna see what God can do and then boom. Then boom, um, we find out that, that it's not quite like it all turned out to be and um, the whole thing was just gonna really collapse because of lack of honesty and integrity. And, uh, and I heard the Lord say, why not you? It's probably just going to only continue. There's really nobody else in line here. This place, this thing's not going to have a future. It's it's done. And then I was like, okay, God. (laughs) Okay, what would be more important in my life? I'm on a pretty comfortable road right now, but what would be more important to you? Do you as a child of God, do you as a child of God, and do I, because I often don't, do you as a child of God ever ask him what's important to him today? Well, like when you wake up, Daddy, you brought me into your family. I have lots of responsibilities, but Daddy, what's important to you today? I mean, there were probably moments if you were raising children that your child might have kind of said, hey, can I, daddy, can I help you with this? Or mommy, can I help you in the kitchen? Or, you know, your kids were anxious to help you if you were a parent, right? They probably went through that phase and on the other side. But you remember those moments and there was nothing better than that. Have you ever just woken up and said, God, what, what's, what's important to you as to why you breathe breath into me today? And so that can be scary, but just like Aslan says, let me breathe fresh on you. Let me breathe fresh on you and put everything else into perspective. Um, Who did God do that through in the word? Um, Jen, last last week, I think I just got to meet um, Jen who works with the children here, and uh, she talked about faithfulness and it being loyalty and dependability. Has God been loyal to you? Has he been dependable to you? Has he personally? Don't just do the Sunday school answer, right? The teacher asks the question and you, know, you get a candy bar at the end and so you have no idea what she asks, but what do you say? <laughs> you say Jesus to get the candy bar, but you don't have a clue, right? So has God been dependable to you? When he called you out into the deeper water, did he leave you there or was he standing here like this? In my, detra- my distracted son and my distracted daughter, I'm still here. I'm the one who called you and I am faithful to do it. I'm faithful to complete it. I who began a good work in you are faithful to see it through. How many of you, you, you knelt at an altar, whether it was at your bedside or whether it was here or someplace? How many of you did that and then you, you, you kind of failed as you went back, the days and the weeks went on and you didn't live up to it? But he didn't, but he didn't. And my Bible tells me in Romans chapter one, for there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, hallelujah. So when you look in that mirror and you say, wow, well, I have failed, can I suggest you kind of look at the other side of it and, and say, he, hadn't, he never has. I will tell you if you hear nothing else, all my life you have been faithful. <laughs> I mean, why would you want to follow anything else? Why would you want to follow anything else than knowing him? John 17, three, now this is eternal life. Now what is it, what does it say? Now what is eternal life? Let me, here's a little quiz for you. What is eternal life? John chapter 17, verse three. Think of that, think of that. Anybody interested in eternal life with the Lord? Can you just raise your hand if you have interest in having eternal life with, with, with the Lord? Okay, okay, thank you. Now this is eternal life. Now this is red letters. If, if you're lost on where to go in your Bible someday and it's like, oh God, this is so hard for me. My life is so tough, I don't even know where to start. Try the red letters. Just try the red letters. Just try the red letters, Seriously. You don't have to go through those, you know, 15 pages of names. Just try the red letters. In John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life, that you may know him, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Acts 3:19 says, Repent then and turn to God, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. that... He may give you the one appointed for you, even Jesus. So then what is repentance? Repentance is from knowing so much else. Some of you guys are so, so uh, intellectually, like I, I, I'm amazed. I sit in front of brilliant people sometimes and I am just go, man, how do they have all that brilliance? It's just amazing what they can retain. I can't. But, but in that, God just says, will you know me? So it was interesting to go to Sunday school, to go to Bible school, to, uh, I've had one guy, he didn't know Christ, he told me he'd read the Bible seven times, he was like, what do you have to tell me about God? I mean, I was just trying to share Christ with him. What can you tell me about God that I don't already know? I read it seven times, how about you? (laughs) At that point I hadn't read it once, all the way through, cover to cover. But he didn't know Christ, so I would ask you today, I'm not asking you about the Christ you knew yesterday, his word is living and active. Living and active. It's not stagnant like the Dead Sea that on our honeymoon after we were married in this, in this, um, in this, it was a new sanctuary at the time. Uh, and you see the Dead Sea and it's like the lowest place and all the water goes in. Folks, I have been the Dead Sea here. You know how much ministry came to me through this congregation? Through Sunday school teachers, caravan workers, preachers, youth workers, and on and on and on. And there were times I was just a dead sea, people were pouring into me, but there was no outlet. There was no life-giving flow. But when you come to know Christ, and you know that He is the same today, yesterday, and forever, that He can breathe on you the way He did at your history mark of when you came to Christ, or when I was 14 at that camp, and I said, you can be my Lord. I've known you my whole life, you've been gracious beyond what I deserve. but yes, you can have my life. And that's who he is. Just take a a quick look, and I I guess we're not gonna probably take time to go into all the words, but think of Daniel. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? These guys, because they knew God, do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? Do you recall what they said? Our God is able to deliver us, O king, but Even if he doesn't, we will not bow. I believe Gary, Pastor Gary last week, a key word he kind of slipped in there. You might have missed it, it was idolatry. He he was saying our society and our time and history is very idolatrous. Things that we put ahead of God. And they said, We will not bow. Why is that? Because they knew who God was, that He was almighty. They were understanding their identity as, as, as Israelites, as Jews. And they said they would not bow to a foreign God. May, may you hear just now, if the Holy Spirit would ask you as a follow-up from last week, if you were to have a counseling session with Pastor Gary Light and say, Pastor Gary, you mentioned idolatry and that it might even be in this room among us. Pastor Gary, can you help me identify any idolatry in my life? I I, I think he'd be willing to walk that road with you, but guess what? We have the Paraclete. Hmm? Will lead us into all truth. Amen? So just take a moment. I just ask you where you are. Take a moment. God, is there something that would be even close to idolatry in my life? Is there an app on my phone that it's time to go? Is there a way that I use my time that does not have eternal impact? We can also look at Mordecai and Esther when you think of faithfulness. We often think of, of Esther, and what does she say, her big key statement that Esther says? Who knows, but for such a time as this. And I would tell you as as pretty soon this congregation starts to look at, it's 126th. For such a time as this, plenty of people provided this facility. Plenty of people who provided Sunday school classes and on and on and on and on. And done the lawn and even welcomed brothers and sisters from another church to, to care for some of it, right? But in addition to Esther, do you recall Mordecai? You know what Mordecai went through? He almost got hung on the gallows. Have you yet been almost hung on the gallows? Hmm? Or are you afraid? If so, why not let Aslan breathe fresh on you? In case you're not familiar, Aslan is the lion, the representative of Jesus Christ. May he blow and breathe fresh on you today. Uh, great is your faithfulness, O oh God, my father. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Um, let's, let's take a moment in the word let's not just talk about the word let's just take a look at Genesis chapter 40 Genesis chapter 50 and then we'll just switch back to 45 for just a quick moment this is what God can do in this congregation Genesis chapter 50 are you with me? do I hear pages rumbling there? verse 20 can somebody read that out for us please? Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Now you recall the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you don't usually hear it go on to the name Joseph, but if you reflect on this, Abraham deceived, Isaac deceived, Jacob deceived, and then was deceived by his sons. But you don't see that in Joseph, what a miracle. What a miracle of God's grace, what God did in Joseph. And so here he goes, they sell him off as a slave. He's over in a foreign land, he gets forgotten about One, he's in prison for a crime he didn't commit. <laughs> All my life you have been faithful. Can you just imagine Joseph singing that? Can you imagine him sitting in that, in, that, in that hole in the ground that his brothers left him in, and then while he's bound up going, uh, you know, in, with these folks down to be a slave in Egypt? Can you imagine him when he's there with Potiphar's wife and he knows he's busted for something he didn't do, and he's running out there and he left, left his coat? All my life you have been... Fa-. Serious? Serious? And then he's in prison. All my life you have... Been. <laughs> and he goes on and on, and then the very brothers that sold him, Dan, Pastor Dan, I'll tell you, you know, someday, someday, sometime I will tell you that the word forgiveness, this my life here in this church was so padded that I didn't really understand that I wronged people and I needed to be forgiven. I didn't really understand that I needed to forgive others because I was so padded in this, con- in this congregation. And part of that life that Aslan breathes on us is to recognize that not only have we wrong- have been wronged, and all of you could remember once or twice, but we have wronged. And when the church of Jesus Christ gets up and says, world, nation, neighbors, we have not been all that God wanted us to be to you please forgive us not that they even care but when we have that in our heart that we have neglected this nation it's not us versus them it's not us versus them some of them will grow up and follow Christ more than you and I ever did and we have the opportunity to pray them into the kingdom and what does prayer mean? It doesn't mean babbling to God. It means coming into harmony with God's intentions. Was it Wesley? He said, have no higher goal in prayer than to know your father, to come into a harmony with his intentions. So let me ask you when you pray, whose list is there before you in your moments together? Is it your prayer list and mine? Or do you take time to ask what his prayer list is? Jesus is ever interceding for the saints, so that means he has a prayer list. I won't ask you to raise hands, but how many of us take time and say, Jesus, what's on your list so I can just say amen to you? Your older brother, if you've come to Christ and dealt with the sin issue, do you, do you know that, that he is ever interceding and he just welcomes us to join him in that? I hope that's refreshing to you. Have you seen people come to Christ that you just had a very insignificant role in and you see God transform them and then they come to you later and say, God used you to help me know him and you're just like, are you kidding me? Be part of what his purpose is. So in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, I've given you a lot of time to find it. Um, no candy bars for the first one, but uh, can somebody read that to me, please? Do you want to do it, Joey? No, okay. Anybody really quick? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Amen. And so, folks, Manchester Church of the Nazarene, God has purpose for us here. God has purpose for you here. But it flows out of recognizing who he is. Recognizing what he has provided for you in relationship with him to know him and make him known, right? And then realizing also that you are part of the small C church. The small C church is what ministered to me. Mom, thank you and dad for raising my sisters and I you know, in a, in, a, in a community of faith in a community of faith, and I, I, could, I could point out you know some of you and others who've sat in these pews, in a community of faith, and it wasn't until I got older that I said, why is it that maybe my ter- life kind of turned out different than so many of my peers? And I look back and I said, wow, I was raised in a community of faith." And so there were baptisms last week, and I, I think the concept is you will also do your part in their lives. When you walk out from here, I hope you're not talking about what restaurant or what ball team, etc., etc. I hope the word of God is dwelling richly in you as you admonish one another, and I hope that no child walks out of this building without 10 or 20 greetings and being valued, I can remember, I can remember the, the tried and true guy from this church and he would kind of look down his thing at me and go, are you following Christ this week? And I, you were just scared of that guy. But you know, and that, that God used that as a purpose. I remember when there was an altar call and one of the old brethren in the church he comes up and he puts his arm around me. He's like, I think you're supposed to be down there, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, how did you see my life? <laughs> how do you know what's going on behind the scenes? How do you know that I'm supposed to be at that altar? But I remember that moment and God bless his soul for caring for me enough to say, you know, and some of them, some of those guys, they were a little, little hard and heavy. I don't know how much they love me, but um, I would tell you if you let the love of Christ manifest itself through you, and you've got some families, and I saw three, I saw four, um, Don, is, is Amy and Ava and, and, and Scott, are they around? I can't see them, but I was so blessed to see Ava last week come to Christ. It's actually her mom, which is how I know how I ever met my wife. So I'm just gonna tell on Amy for a minute. You already mentioned Don, so I get to tell on Don. So you know, I worked for Don after, 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 after ENC and um, worked there in his office and it, it, it was, a, it was a, a rich time in a variety of ways. But there was the day that Don got a call and I was there that his daughter I believe was on a bicycle out there on the main drag in front of Fish Family Farm and uh, she was hit. And he didn't know if he would know his daughter in the same way ever again and it was pretty traumatic and I got to be there in the building when that was happening to Amy. But years later, Amy got to be in our youth ministry and um, as kids in this church would do, they, would, they, they knew that there was life here and it wasn't because of pizza and hay rides, although they, they were among the things, that was not the purpose of what we were here for. And so she invited a friend who had interest in God from Manchester High School and that friend invited her um, cousin who was really in a bad way and that cousin's mom came to find out why dozens of teenagers were gathering at 236 Main Street back in the day and that mom got saved dramatically and um before long was you know being used to cook among in the youth ministry and then for the last almost 30 years cook for me and so um I just wanna tell you, the Lord has has just touched so many lives, but so Don and and Sharon, I don't know if you know that, but you know, it was because Amy had invited Alana, and Alana invited her cousin, and that whole track just kinda goes that. and God has somebody for you this week, are you and Amy this week, and I got to see Ava baptized, and you know what Ava said, and this is what caught my ear, Dan, do you remember what she said? She said, the Lord has touched a friend of mine, and that's like gotten my attention, paraphrase, so in what I think is closing, and we're gonna do that, that song again, if you folks would come up. Um, Genesis, I think, the last, I think the last time I preached here, other than sharing about our mission, I think was the 100th anniversary. <laughs> so maybe I'm, I have to be careful not to make up for lost time. That's been a while. Do you know that this church was 60 years old when I first came to it? Do the math, Right? This church was a young 60 years old when I first came to it. Still, go back a couple pages there in Genesis. Verse 45, chapter 45, verse four. Let's see if I can read this here. Now this is prior to what happens at the end. Then Joseph said to his brothers, okay, they don't know it's Joseph yet, they're just hungry folks, traveled to a far off land. And then Joseph reveals himself, and let me just ask you, have you had a fresh revelation of God this year, this week? Have your coworkers had the opportunity to have a fresh revelation of Almighty God? Because that's why you're breathing. Have your neighbors had a fresh revelation of God That's why you're breathing. And so Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And so no matter what you have gone through to be here today, God is redemptive. God is redemptive. He takes those old crushed cans on the side of the road and he makes new containers to hold fresh beverage. Is that amazing? So when you and I realize that we are that crushed can on the side of the road, whether we grew up in the church or not, that God can redeem us and not just us. Father, the block party, I wasn't here in attendance, but I know that there were folks from the community who were being loved on and they know that any positive experience was authored by you and that you are as close as their next breath. Father, we pray for the ministers who will, who will uh, fill this pulpit in the weeks ahead, in the weeks ahead and, and how you've used some of them to touch and minister to my life. And Lord, we pray that they would be ministered to and this congregation would minister to them as they come back to this pulpit. Father, for the district's children's camp and teen camp, as counselors and all are tired, Father, may they recognize that the God on that mountain is also God in the valleys of the difficult homes or circumstances they go back to. And Father, may this church, may we embrace them. Lord, we think about our college. Lord, we think about our, our district uh, relationships with the small C church, the various congregations. Lord, we think of uh, our, our denomination as a whole and as it kinda circ- seeks out uh, its identity in this day and age. Father, we thank you that you are big enough to handle all of this,
0: in Jesus' name. Thank you, David. Every time I see you, David, it's sort of like attending a class reunion. <laughs> but there's something really special about the kinship we have with people that we sort of spend our lives doing the same thing, right? Not the, not the same place, but, but the same direction, the same commitments, Um, and you look around this congregation, you see the people that we've traveled with for all these decades now, and, and we recognize how faithful God has been. It's a blessing, isn't it? And now may the God of peace keep you. May you know the fullness of joy in serving him. And may you live your life now and always to the glory of God. Amen. Go in peace.